I think people go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. They get sucked into society and people believe that they need big, big followings and big email lists and all that. It's not the case. In fact, actually, less truly is more in today's business world because you don't want to cloud you know, the, the messaging that you're putting out there. The more niche to down you can get, the better for everyone involved. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, how you doing? Adam here, and I wanted to quickly let you know about a brand new 15-minute video training where I show you how to get 5, 10, 15, 25 or more predictable sales appointments every month in just 30 minutes a day, and how you can do all of that without cold calling, networking, relying on referrals, or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I've added that to the podcast gift page, which you can find at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcastgift. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. And you'll also see all of the other resources and gifts that I've created on that page as well. So hope you go and check that out and, uh, and enjoy what you find. So until you do that, let's get back to the show. Welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that Everyone that starts their own business believes that they have a great service, that they can change their clients' lives for the better, and they've got the opportunity to change their own lives for the better as well. Now, unfortunately, too many of us that actually start on this path never quite realize our full potential because we often don't get the help around the things that we excel at, meaning that our capacity to grow is often a lot, lot smaller. And that's because a business cannot evolve and grow if its leaders are not involving and growing as well. So one of the best ways to actually grow yourself is by having people to talk to and bounce ideas around with. People that are on a similar path to you who can offer new perspectives and solutions. In other words, people who get it. Because one of the hardest parts of being an entrepreneur is there's actually the psychological weight of being that ultimate decision maker, as well as the pressure that we often feel of doing too much ourselves, which can lead to a myriad of problems that we really, really don't want. Now, look, this is something that my guest today knows all about, but more importantly, he knows how to help you avoid them. Because back in 2009, he was actually hospitalized due to burnout. But what he's done is he's used that experience not only to transform his own business, where, by the way, he now works an average of just six hours a day and doesn't work Fridays, which that's pretty cool in anyone's book, I reckon. But he's created multiple businesses that help other entrepreneurs increase their business and personal capacity for growth. Now, he's an international business mentor, keynote speaker, podcaster, author, as well as the founder of Virtual Starfinder and Upreneur.com. Now, he's just launched the Upreneur Incubator, which is a year-long mastermind with a mission to help its members develop a real connection with other people that get it by spending quality time with a group of entrepreneurs and experts that drive you forward and help you succeed and supercharge the growth of your business and yourself as a leader. So if you haven't guessed by now, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the Client Catching Podcast, Chris Ducker. Chris, welcome to the show. It's quite an intro, Adam. I, I've, I feel like I don't want to let you down now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, um, as I say, I often stalk my uh, my guests before uh, before as coming should, on. Sir. As you I should. like to uh, yeah, I like to find out, and obviously, I know a bit more about you maybe than than others because. Um, yeah, I've been involved in the uh, the Youpreneur community for um, just over a year now, and you are not the first Youpreneur.com uh, team member to be on the show. Um, I had Morgan Bagshaw, who's your uh, Chief of um, Digital Operations. Yep, um, she's Head there. of Development, yeah, she's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. She was back on uh, show number 10, and I'm not sure exactly which episode this will be. It'll be nearly 50. Um, but yeah, we were talking about the power of masterminds because we'd just been to the mid-year and um, I was inspired by that. And I think I'd, I'd bumped into some uh, Ian Anderson Gray, who was on my table at the um, the previous summit table uh, 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 mastermind. And it just sort of hit me that a conversation that I'd had with him and the things that I'd done as a result, it was just mind blowing. And I had to sort of almost step back and go, that's as a result of having these kind of conversations and being in this kind of environment. So what is it about masterminds that you think are so powerful and why have you decided to take this approach and start this incubator well masterminds for me have been a big part of my own personal growth as an entrepreneur um, i've been involved with them either being part of them myself or running them myself for probably close to a decade now um, and i guess probably even prior to that i was in some way shape or form getting involved with them without even really knowing, like you know, get a whole bunch of people together for an afternoon and we call it, you know, an afternoon and a barbecue, but you end up spending three, four hours talking about businesses and you know, plans and dreams and goals and all that sort of stuff as well. But the reason, the reason why it's a big focus for us now as a company and for me as a leader is because I have seen the changes that masterminds and being part of these types of groups can actually bring to the entrepreneurs that get involved with them. Um, you know, only less than 5% of all small business owners will search out coaching or mentoring of some variety. And it is absolutely no consequence at all that these 5% of entrepreneurs are also the most successful entrepreneurs out there too. And that's because nobody's got a monopoly on good ideas. If you're always in your own bubble all the time, all you're hearing is your own ideas and your own thoughts and your own opinions, which as fantastic as they probably are, they're not the only ideas and opinions out there. And so the idea of surrounding ourselves, like you said in the intro, with people that genuinely actually get it, that's the one thing that we should be doing more of as business owners. The fact of the matter is that the vast majority of people don't do it and therefore they stunt their growth. And why do you think people don't do it? I think it's a combination um, of either one, not really knowing that they're out there and that this is a real thing where it's structured and there's genuine you know, calendar additions uh, required for it. Um, it's not a matter of, oh, let's have a brainstorming session over a cup of coffee thing. No, this is real. We rent a venue. There's a stage. There's a screen. There's audio and visual guys. There's, you know, worksheets for people to work out. There's a structure to this thing. The more structured it is, the more successful it becomes. But you don't want it to become too structured, whereas the flexibility and that fluidity that comes with masterminding is cut off, right? So there's a fine line between the two. So I think first up is that a lot of people actually don't know that it really exists. That's the first thing. The second thing is, if I'm to be frank, 
I think a lot of people have got egos that they shouldn't have. I think they, they believe that they don't need people's help, that they have got it all figured out themselves, uh, or possibly that they feel as if they don't want unsolicited advice from other people. Um, but I can tell you right now, you, know, you, you put anybody in a room, regardless of how successful they are, regardless of how successful they are, somebody around the table is going to drop a value bomb on somebody else. You know, if you had, if you had, you know, Sir Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Chris Ducker, possibly in a room masterminding with each other, there's my dream mastermind right there. Yeah. Right. But if you were to, if you were to have those types of people around the table, all multi-billionaires, all doing incredible things, changing the world in their own way, one of them is going to drop a bomb on the other and vice versa throughout the course of an afternoon of discussions. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so if these great minds and these great leaders are consistently putting themselves in those situations, why the hell aren't on, on the rest of us, you know, and it's it's not a new thing, is it? And um, I do love the way that you uh, you use the word ego and then put Chris Ducker along with uh, <laughs> Branson and oh, Musk and all the rest. We're, of it. we're we're all egomaniacs at the end of the day. I mean, you know, not egotistical. There's a big difference. Um, I th I think the funny thing is, is that you know we call it youpreneur, right? So it's about building a business around you your expertise, your personality, which is an important ingredient, but not reliant on you. So yes, there's a certain amount of ego to go with that. But as long as it's a confidence-based ego and not an arrogant one, I don't think it's too bad mm. to have a bit of an ego. I think it's a good thing, in fact. And, and do you think sort of on that then that that can actually turn certain people away that might not necessarily want to be the front and center? Um, I class myself in that kind of place. I mean, I came from a corporate background where I was the guy behind the behind the curtain, um, you know, running marketing departments for companies and all the rest of it. And it was never my face out there. And for the first couple of years of running my own thing, I think uh, before I came to the first Upreneur uh, uh, Summit, I didn't. Have, uh, I think I put a picture of myself on my website for the first time like a week before. I had nothing else out there. It was just right. I'm just going to hide behind the logo. And I found it so difficult, but that's one of the benefits, first of all, of coming to um, or being involved in a community because it's kind of forced me to, to come out of my shell, from yep. come out from behind the curtain. Yep. But do you find that there are a lot of people, or do you think that there are a lot of people out there that are in my sort of situation that I was um, nearly 18 months ago now that just, they don't want to do it or they're so fearful of doing it that they're actually hurting themselves as a result? I think there's a lot of people out there. I mean, you know, some people are so introverted that they'll never change and that's fine. If I can't change them and they can't change themselves, then that's okay. Like I'm not going to persecute anybody for wanting to be themselves and do things their own way. But as you've discovered in the last 18 months, if you do put yourself out there a little bit more front center, if you do start kind of almost preaching a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you can help people, it will only lead to good things. It won't lead to bad things, right? Not unless you've been a complete idiot about it. So I think, in, you know, I think if there's just a little inkling, just a tiny little thing there that says, maybe I can possibly do it, like putting a picture up on a website for the first time. If there's that one little thing there, I can help somebody. I know I can because I've done it with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I am testament to that. Um, I knew that there was something in me that had to change. 
I knew that I had to do something different. And I was introduced to you actually for, funny enough, isn't it, that uh, uh, you get introduced to a Brit by an American. Um, and that was Greg Hickman, who uh, I worked with um, or, uh, the year before. And he was one of the speakers at the summit. So I openly did not, I wasn't aware of, of Chris Ducker. I wasn't aware of com, And I came to the event and I just, there was something about the event and the community that I've not experienced in the UK before. And that's what a question I wanted to ask. Do you think there's something cultural about the UK that maybe we don't reach out for help, that keep calm, carry on, that kind of thing that maybe in this country is holding entrepreneurs back? Do you think that's a real thing or have I? I definitely, without yeah. a doubt. I think we're probably a good three to four years behind the Americans when it comes to our mindsets. Um, I think that, I, I think if I'm to be honest with you, we've got to stop worrying about pleasing everybody that comes into our ecosystems. Uh, understand that uh, not everybody is going to be into you and your ideas and aspirations in, in terms of how you're helping people. Um, and I think that uh, if I'm to be frank, I think we need to get a little bit more bloody selfish here in the UK. Um, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad to talk about making money. Uh, it's not what I live for, but understand what I live for is to help business owners grow their business and making money and growing your business kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Right. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where I think, yeah, we're definitely behind the Americans. I think the whole kind of keep calm, carry on thing is there's something there with that. Um, and we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're not as, as outgoing as our American brothers and sisters are when it comes to building brands, particularly personal brands. Although I will say we're getting there. I'm seeing sparks of this more and more and more now, probably more so in the younger generation, people like yourself, uh, rather than the older generation that we work with, but the older generations, they're starting to get it. They're starting to see it now. Therefore, they're starting to invest in it, both monetary-wise as well as time-wise, which are our two most valuable commodities as business owners, right? Mm. So the younger generation I see, particularly on places like YouTube, Instagram, you know, they're putting themselves out there. You, know, you type in lifestyle vlog, for example, on YouTube, I'd probably say, 70% of the search results that pop up are British video creators and not American video creators. And I'd say out of that 70%, probably 90% of them are female as well, which is fantastic to see because we need more lady entrepreneurs, not only in the world, but definitely mm. in the UK as well. So I, I, I'm, exci I'm excited about uh, the UK and Europe, uh, as well as obviously doing what we do for our worldwide audience. But particularly for the UK and European audience. We, we've got to play, we're playing catch up here and we, we need to put our foot down on the gas to do it properly. And uh, I didn't know that about, or I hadn't really considered the whole thing about, you know, when you go look and there's a, a higher percentage of um, you know, female entrepreneurs that are doing this sort of thing. And that, first of all, that makes me, yeah, it fills me with a lot of, uh, yeah, good feelings and, and hope because I've, I've got two daughters. They're very young. Um, they're not quite ready to... Uh, yeah, start the business. One's only just 10 months and uh, the other's just three and a half. But that to me, I mean, that, that, oh, that feels like they a lot of age and they are in their early 20s, whether they've done university or not, um, will be in a whole different environment, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a 21-year-old daughter. I have a two-year-old daughter. Um, 
which is why I also have absolutely no hair left. So, you know, <laughs> take all this into consideration. But I think that um, the world, you know, by the time Cassandra catches up to her older sister, Chloe, the world will be a totally different environment, completely different world that we're living in. But that's also something I know that, that your daughter is quite heavily involved with Youpreneur, isn't she? She's yes. always at the events. She's behind the scenes of a lot of the stuff. She runs some of the social media side of things at the mm-hmm. events and all the rest of it. So, I mean, that must feel pretty good. It does. To not only fantastic. inspire the, 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 the people that come and work with you, but also you're there and, and sort of leading and showing and, and you've inspired it from you know, your own daughter. And if that's not a great case study in, in of itself. Well, I mean, it, you know, the, the thing is, is, is also that she, she did go to university. She graduated with honors from University of Westminster in London um, in a business communications degree. So, you know, it's kind of, I guess, the entrepreneurial spirit rubbed off on her enough to get her into that particular mode in terms of her course and her degree and everything. But I, it's not like I forced her. Excuse me. It's not like I forced her to become uh, a part of the team. She generally, well, Chris, you know that you can't get your kids to do anything if you, you know, if they don't want to do it. Right? This is true. Um, I'm learning this already. It's it's ridiculous. So uh, I think it's it's a little bit like some of the stuff you talk about. It's it's about showing up and being a leader, and you yourself being the leader, and you will attract the kind of people that want to follow you. Um, you know, I know that um, you know the way that that you do things. It's it's your own way. You are you. You are you on this podcast. You are you on the stage. You are you in all forms of life. And you know, people people like uh, either either love it or hate it. And I know that's a that's almost a reference to uh, one of the things that I I instantly connected with you with. It was your your love of Marmite. You either love it or you hate it, right? And no, they've they've been using that marketing slogan for decades, right? Yeah. Are you a lover or are you a hater? You either love it or you hate it. It's true. I, I don't think I've ever given any anybody a slice of toast with Marmite on it and they've said, yeah, it's all right. They either yeah. were like, oh, me, that's great, or get yeah. it away from me. And that's the way I market. I market like a magnet. You attract the right type of people that get you and like you. And then at the exact same time, you repel the other type of people away that don't like you and don't get you. That's fine. We don't want them in our ecosystem, clouding our judgment and sucking up our mental bandwidth. We don't need them at all. We only need the lovers. We don't need the haters. And so, yes, I will spread Marmite on my toast virtually every morning and it'll be what it'll be. You either like it or you don't. And, and yeah, what's interesting, the whole Marmite thing, like they don't try and convert their haters. And that's a lesson in itself as well. I mean, they, they kind of play on it and they you know, they, they have stuff on their bottles, don't they? Or their, their jars of, you know, this is for the haters or, or yeah. whatever it is. But yeah. they don't, they know that you either love it or you hate it. And that's, exactly. that's a great thing to actually take to That's a, that's a fantastic lesson. And I know that's why that you, uh, you, you, you gave that example um, in one of the talks that you gave. And I was really, yeah, I was really excited when they followed me on Twitter, you know, the Marmite <laughs> account followed me on Twitter. It's like a Star Wars fan, you know, being followed by Mark Hamill or something. You know, it was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Can I, oh, that would be amazing. Uh, Mark Hamill following you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen the new movie just in case you're going to drop a reference. Uh, I'm not doing any it. spoilers. All I will no say spoilers. is that I'm, I'm man enough to admit I cried on multiple occasions on that part nine. It was shockingly emotional, that film. Wow. I, uh, I'm going to have to claw out some time to actually go and see it. But uh yeah, I mean that's another example. The whole Star Wars thing is you either love the Star Wars or you hate it. You're either a super fan or you're you're just I don't really watch it. Yeah. It's like you know 
I'm the super fan. I watched it 300 times before I was three years old, probably. Yeah. Uh, it was the only, is the only way it could keep me, uh, uh, apparently my parents could keep me still for uh, a significant period of time after the age of two. So, right. you know, I've, I've grown up with Star Wars and, and I love it. My wife, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, and, and I think that that is a great, a great example again of, of knowing your audience, knowing who it is you're trying to attract. Because one of the things that we, uh, I find a lot of the time when people are looking to attract clients or they're trying to bring people into their business, they're trying to go after everyone. They don't define their specific ideal client because they don't want to, they don't want that risk of, oh, well, if I, if I, if I don't appeal to more people, then I'm not going to get more people. Mm. Whereas actually you need to repel people with your, your marketing, your message, because actually it's a, it saves you a lot of time because you're not talking eventually to unqualified people. It saves you a lot of money because you now know that you only need to market for a, a very specific group of people. And I, I mean, do you find that that is still something within your community that people struggle with? At first, possibly, yes, uh, because I think we also, we're also living in a society nowadays where vanity numbers and metrics come into play quite a bit. You know, I've got X amount of followers on Facebook or this many likes on my Instagram photo, whatever it is. Um, and because of that, uh, I think that people want big audiences, want big email lists, but by the time I'm done with them, <laughs> they, they generally understand the power actually of having a smaller audience, a smaller more engaged email list, a smaller social media following that retweets everything, that comments on every photo, that shows up to every live broadcast. Like I, you know, it's Kevin Kelly's very, very famous um, uh, article. You could Google it. Kevin Kelly, 1000 true fans. Uh, Probably one of the most shared and and commented and talked about articles on the internet today. Um, He says, you know, you don't need all these, you don't need tens and hundreds of thousands of subscribers and followers and customers you just need 1000 true fans and actually i'd even challenge that a little bit to be frank with you with the youpreneur business model of building a business based around you and your expertise i think it's only a hundred you only need a hundred true fans you need a hundred people that are buying everything you put into the world if it's two grand a pop that's 200 grand in revenue right That's there. A pretty good business. Right? So I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of things you can kind of, you know, take on board with what I've just said. But ultimately, I think people go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. They get sucked into society and people believe that they need big, big followings and big email lists and all that. It's not the case. In fact, actually, less truly is more in today's business world because you don't want to cloud you know, the, the messaging that you're putting out there, the more niche to down you can get, the better for everyone involved. Yeah, because I, I, I often say that business growth will happen from subtraction, not addition. And it's because people, th- you know, what, what, maybe you've seen it as well, but you find that because there's all these seductive ideas that are promising um, quick fixes, magic bullets, oh, well, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a million, uh, you know, a thousand email subscribers by using this piece of software or whatever it is, or Facebook ads is the only way, Instagram is this, blah, 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 blah. What people end up doing is just adding things to an already growing list of mm-hmm. shit they've got to do, mm-hmm. which is just overwhelming them. And it just leads to, oh, I don't know what to do. So they end up trying to solve 
a rather simple problem with a very complex solution. Because as you said, you don't necessarily need thousands of clients to have a very successful business. A hundred clients might be enough, 50, 10, if you are pricing it in, in a correct way. And so have you found that when people come into the community, they're often dealing with that massive overwhelm. It's like, I've got all these things that I'm being told I should be doing. How do I actually just get it all done? Or you know, what do I do, Chris? Help me. Like, is, is it those sorts of things that you know, people are coming to you with? It's a combination of that kind of stuff. And also, um, I know what I'm good at and I know who I want to serve, but I don't know how to best serve them. Help get that out to me. Is it via, you know, producing video content weekly for them? Is it a podcast? Is it written blog? Is it just an email newsletter that goes out once a week? Maybe it's a good old fashioned magazine every quarter, you know, whatever it is, right? So I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of kind of what you went through just there, not to regurgitate and waste time. And also the fact that people actually, I think, a lot of people are now a little bit more clearer when they come into the community, when they turn up to the summit and, and likewise, you know, with, with joining the Youpreneur Incubator, they, they know what they're all about. They know what their strengths are and maybe they're already monetizing it a little bit in some way, shape or form, but they're stuck because all they hear is their own voice and their own opinions. And they don't know how to get to the next level. It's like somebody going from you know, five figures a year to six figures a year or from six figures a year to seven or from seven to eight or whatever it is. There's actually not that much difference between someone that's making five figures that wants to go to six and someone that's making seven that wants to go to eight. Nine times out of 10, the difference is just the space in between their ears. And it really comes down to that. And I think it's, it, it sort of comes into some of the things that I was talking about in your introduction. And that is, it's all about capacity, I think, when, when you're running a business. Whether it's mm -hmm. just you as a solopreneur or whether you've got a team, you need to increase the capacity. And I know that's something that obviously you help people with, with the, you know, the virtual staff side of things. But I think the community aspect, you help people increase the capacity between their ears. And that comes as a result of having those conversations around a table that's focused. And it's not, I mean, the way that you do it and, and masterminds, for anyone that doesn't know how a mastermind runs, it's generally um, you, you have a table of around eight people that spend a day together and you have a 30 minute hot seat where you have the opportunity to air a, a struggle that you're facing and get everybody's input. And it's not just your bit that makes the difference. It's hearing other people's challenges and being able to um, well, hear what those challenges are, hear what some people are saying, because you might actually be dealing with that same sort of stuff as well. You just haven't voiced it. But also you then get the ability to think slightly differently for a solution for other people. And it just, it increases that capacity in your mind. And you suddenly see that there are other people doing great things. And Absolutely. it just has that rub off effect, doesn't it? Absolutely. And knowing also that when you walk away from that type of scenario, you'll likely have a laundry list of ideas that you want to take action on. But if you're at the right kind of mastermind, you'll also have people around you to say, slow down, Adam. It's okay. You don't have to do everything tomorrow. Just pick the things that the biggest priorities for you right now, do those to completion and move on to the next thing. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you have to do or you should do it. The analogy I use, and this takes me way, way, way back here, is when I was learning how to drive, my driving instructor said to me, 
because I kept going over 30, just by a couple of, just by a couple, just a couple of miles per hour, right? 20, you know, 32, 33, but obviously you can't do that consistently on your test and still pass. So my driving instructor, she was amazing. Her name is Vanessa. To this day, I still remember her. And she said to me, understand something. It's a speed limit, not a speed target. And I've never forgotten those words. And you can actually apply that to so many different areas of your life, that analogy as well. Um, I dropped that actually when I was having uh, a meal with Todd Herman. Mm. And, it, and Todd is one of the biggest high-performance pain coaches on the planet, like NFL, NBA, you know, you name it, right? His clients are everywhere. He was like, oh, that's good. Oh, I'm using that. <laughs> so, I mean, you can use that analogy. Just because you can go to 30 in a built-up area doesn't mean you actually should, right? So I think there's, 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 there's a lot of space for growth, but we need to make sure that, you know, we're not trying to do everything all at once. It's not possible to do everything all at once. And that must have felt pretty good because I know uh, having seen Todd, that, that guy's got analogies coming out of his ears. So yeah. uh, for you to have uh, given him one, and uh, you must say, ha, oh, thank you very much. That'll He'll probably it, make it more famous than I will, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. So, uh, yeah, no funny. Like Todd was one of the ones that, uh, again, um, before he was at the event, I, um, I read his book, The Alter Ego Effect, and uh, that's where the captain came from. I don't call myself the founder or CEO or anything like that. I call myself the captain here, the captain of my ship. That is my alter ego. I turn up as the captain, you know, and I kind of loosely base it around uh, uh, the captain of the Millennium Falcon, um, <laughs> Han Solo. But that's, uh, for anyone that hasn't read his book, definitely go and check it out. Um, it's a fantastic book. For anyone, you know, talking about that sort of introversion, that's a fantastic way to get past yeah. it. It's really, yeah. really helped me. And again, an example of, bringing people into a community, um, you know, with an event and, and, and actually sharing a message. And yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, do you have any sort of examples of some people that have been within your community for a while? Obviously, the incubator is brand new, but, so, you know, somebody that's started at, uh, at one point and where they've got to at the end. And I know you've got a million of these, so maybe <laughs> maybe sort of asking you to. Uh, you know, pick one is is tough, but do you have one that sort of stands out? Well, the, I mean, you're you're right. I'm lucky. I'm you know humbled to have many many people that have done great. But I mean, there's there's two or three that really do kind of stand out to me a lot of the times. The first one is Anissa Holmes, who was on the stage at the summit, the second summit, 2018. Uh, dentist, very successful dentist, based out of um, Jamaica slash. Florida. She had um, practices in, in both areas, um, Jamaican uh, descent, and she was doing very well. She was making a really good living with these dentist practices. I'm not sure exactly how many clinics she had, but there was multiple, maybe half a dozen. Um, and then she kind of hit a little bit of a lull in growth and went to Facebook and started advertising her local practices on Facebook in a local demographical kind of advertising way. And her growth just ballooned in the space of six months or so. And she came to me and said, I'm not sure what to do with this, but I feel like I'm on the cusp of something really, really special. But I have no idea how to take it to the next level. Um, I also feel like I've got a book in me that I can teach other dentist clinic slash practices owners to be able to grow their business. What do you think? So within the space of one afternoon, we gave the book a title and a subtitle, put a launch date in place. I introduced her to my uh, publisher. She got a book deal. She published that book. 
She also, throughout the course of that afternoon with me, put together her first Facebook advertising course specifically for dentists. Here lies the power of niching down, teaching other dentists how to be able to grow their practices through Facebook ads, which she sold and overnight made over 30 grand by just one email. Um, and, and now she's, you know, she's got masterminds and retreats and memberships and uh, she's got a shop where she sells all these templates and all the rest of it. Anise is on target to probably do five or six million dollars this year. And she Pretty was impressive. way, 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 way less than that just what, four years ago. So she's the perfect example of somebody of very old, traditional uh, industry delving into the newer ways of being able to build your business and take things up to the next level. And she's now inspiring thousands of dentists all around the world. Um, and that's, that's a big thing, isn't it? Because even if you come from a traditional bricks and mortar business to say, and, and that's where you came from, isn't it? You, you have yeah. uh, call centers in the Philippines and, mm-hmm. um, and now, now you've moved back over to, uh, you're, you're in Cambridge now in that area. Yep. Um, I'm assuming part of that decision was because of the focus on you know, doing the Upreneur um, and, and the, actually the it wasn't it. No? <laughs> it wasn't to be honest the, the the main reason why we moved back was because of the kids the family um, you know when i when i look back on my time in the philippines it was 18 years and i loved every single minute of it we built two very very successful businesses over there which we still own and operate outright to this day we're just not involved with them day to day anymore we've got people to run them for us um and the reason why we came back was because we there wasn't much to do there as a young family, you know? And so, you know, there's only so many times you can go to the beach as fantastic as they are. There's only so many malls you can visit, only so many movie afternoons you can have, right? So, mm. you know, unfortunately, as great as the, as, as the Philippines is, there's not a lot of quote-unquote culture there. There's no museums, there's no theaters, you know, there's no big parks or anything like that. If there's a piece of land, it's developed, it's built mm. on. You know, it's just, it's a developing country. It is what it is. Same anywhere. And so, um, no, the, the, honestly, the, the decision to come back was very much a personal one for the family, which obviously then had a knock-on effect um, on obviously wanting to develop this region a little bit and focus on this region a little bit moving forward. But, you know, we, I've been running mastermind events here in the UK for the past eight, nine years, as and when I visited. And we held the first Upano Summit in November 2017, even living here at that point. We didn't come back until yeah. a whole year later. So, yeah, I, I know it might look like it, but it was actually very, very personal. But it's been good, obviously, for business yeah. to be here. Well, that's how things work, isn't it, sometimes with, well, with business, with life. You know, thing, you, know you make a decision and then the knock-on effect that happens afterwards. And, yep. you know, I know that you know, I mentioned in the beginning that the, the 2009 and you had that situation. Was that when you were in the Philippines mm-hmm. where you had that that situation? You know, yep. Give us a, just just before we wrap up, just give us a little, because what I really think is, is important for people to understand from that story is there is things that you cannot endure, even if you think you can, even yep. if you've got all of the knowledge and all the rest of it. And, you know, what can happen if you don't actually deal with it? But then what happens when you deal with it properly? So just give us that quick backstory and, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we'd been growing the business for a few years at that point. We were at probably around about 150 employees. Um, I think we were on the verge of 
having our first multi-million dollar year. If we weren't quite there, we were very, very close to it. Um, so all in all, from a business perspective, we were doing very, very well. Um, however, me personally, myself, I was a bloody wreck, right? So I was working 15, 16 hours a day. I wasn't sleeping properly. I was drinking too much caffeine. I wasn't going to the gym or working out in any way, shape or form. My diet was crap. I was burnt out, ready and waiting to happen, literally. Looking back, like you just said, you think you can handle it. You think you can stay ahead of it. You think it's just one more month. It's one more quarter. It's one more year, whatever it is. Then I'll start taking it easier, that kind of thing. Um, but the reality was one morning I woke up and I couldn't get out of bed. It sounds very dramatic, but it really is honestly as it happens. I couldn't get out of bed. I was absolutely exhausted. My wife called the doctor to, we, we had a, there's a thing in the UK, in the Philippines rather, where you get to a hundred employees, you've got to have a start, a doctor on call for your staff. It's part of the labor laws over there. Yes. So we had our company doctor came over to the house and he said, um, he's massively massively dehydrated you need to get into the hospital and on liquids so i just thought i'm going to go to hospital they're going to stick an iv in me for 48 hours i'm going to be back and it will be what it is but then i get there and i'm not only massively dehydrated um acute exhaustion borderline depression uh, they put me on sleeping pills for two weeks so i could get back into a proper sleeping routine um told I couldn't, you know, I shouldn't be eating any kind of sugar, but you know, I needed more fruit and veg in my diet. The typical stuff, Adam. Mm. That we just all the know stuff that we forget to do sometimes when yeah. you've just got a million things going it on. It is what head. it is. But that that was a major wake up call because then throughout the course of that was very late in 2009, throughout the course of 2010, that was what I called the virtual CEO year. And that was the year where we hired eight people to replace me in one year. And so those eight people, actually now, all of them are still with us mm. nine years later, 10 years later almost, right? So um, they now run the company, ultimately, those people. And I am a true business owner with those two businesses um, and not even a CEO. I'm just an owner of the business. And mm. I have very little um, input. I mean, I probably spend less than an hour a month looking at anything to do with those businesses at all. I flew over to the Philippines in December, turn up for the Christmas party, spoke on stage for 10 minutes. It was like most work I'd done <laughs> for this company for like six, seven months probably. Um, and uh, yeah, that's being a business owner, isn't it? And that's having yeah. an ecosystem around your business. Um, you know, an ecosystem of, uh, which, which a lot of people think, oh, and that's why I use the term ecosystem when I describe, you know, what you're trying to build around a business, because it's not just the tools and the marketing and stuff. It's the people that exist within mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. the people that work for you, the partners that you develop, the connections that you make that, you know, that, that may never do actual business with you, but they can support you. They're the people that you can be in a community with and just get that bit of help. That is part of your ecosystem. A perfect example, you know, the aforementioned Todd Herman and any of the speakers, particularly the keynote speakers on our stage. I mean, there are several speakers that have been clients of mine, coaching clients, mentoring clients before in the past. Um, Anissa is one of them, obviously. Amy Woods from Content 10X was on the stage this year, as was Great talk. Anna Galvao, both mentoring clients of mine for years and years. Um, but Todd is the perfect example of just a peer and a friend. I've never spent a dollar with him. He's never spent a dollar with me, but we support each other in one way, shape, or form. 
And, um, you know, that's part of that ecosystem build out. It's not just about making money, although that's important. It's not about that. It is genuinely about the people that you surround yourself with and the things that you're doing for those people. Because um, the making money is a byproduct of actually serving. Exactly. And to make it very, very clear, and this, again, not egotistical, but, but confident in my comment here, I don't need to do the vast majority of what I do for Youpreneur. I'm financially comfortable to the point where I don't need to do that. I do it because I absolutely can't imagine not doing it day to day because I love it that much. And I genuinely want to give back. Jack Lemon, the actor, says it perfectly better than probably anyone else. When you get to the top, you've got to send the elevator back down. Now, I feel like I'm not even at the top of my career. I may be at floor 20 out of 40. But I figured if I can send the elevator back down a little bit now, maybe I can get up to that top floor a little faster myself. So we'll continue to do what we do. So to finish off, what's your, you know, you're, you're, you're say, you, know, you're, you say you're, you're not at the top yet. You're kind of getting into the middle. So what, what is the challenges that you're facing at this point? And what are you doing to, uh, to move through them? I think, you know, it's once you've got a decent ecosystem built out, which we do, I think it really just comes down to scale. That's always the big thing. Uh, and how you scale. And more importantly, actually, to me now, more than anything else, why we're scaling certain things as well. So we're making a lot of changes this year in some of our digital properties and, you know, where we're cutting back quite a lot of my time so I can focus more on the in-person stuff like the incubator, the summit, that sort of type of thing. Um, and being just being more present for those people that want to need that in-person relationship a little bit more with me whereas the scalability now of the digital products because i'm not involved with them anymore those will clearly be a major focus from for us from a scalability perspective because now it's all digital it has very little to do with me then it comes down to running great adverts finding new you know new, building new lead lists uh, converting those via autoresponders and email marketing and you know webinars and all that good fun great techie stuff that I try and stay away from because it makes my head spin. But that's where building the team comes into play as well. So scalability is always going to be a challenge no matter what. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people will, uh, yeah, identify with that. Um, and especially if you're building a business around you, there has to come a point where you start to separate yourself from some of the business. And, you know, I think what you've done there, you've put yourself in the higher value side of the business that you can offer so the way it should be. stuff and that's the, the way, way it should be, be. because yeah. at the end of the day the most precious resource that we have is our time our personal one-on-one -on -one time and that has to be the most expensive too many of us certainly service professionals we give it away for free couldn't agree and and more importantly sometimes we give it away you know for i i mean so there's one thing to say I'm giving my time away for free. You could look at that as donating your time. Mm. But what's worse is that if you're worth two grand an hour and you're charging 500, that's worse than doing it for free. Yeah. In my mind, because now you're fundamentally devaluing yourself by charging way less than what you're actually worth. Absolutely. Could charge what you're worth. Always charge, charge what you're worth. And that is uh, literally, um, I have got the t-shirt that says <laughs> you that. You do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So, Chris, I am uh, talking of time. Um, I have realized that we have slightly run over. So I want to obviously value your time. I appreciate you. everything that uh, you've uh, you've shared here. Um, thank you ever so much for, uh, for, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And from a personal perspective, I just want to say thank you for 
creating the community you have because I have benefited personally from it. And I know every single person I've met through it has uh, the same experience. So if people want to have that same kind of experience moving into the next decade, what's the best place to uh, to check out Chris Ducker? Well, I, I mean, in, in terms of the mastermind side of things, it's all about youpreneur.com or slash incubator, which is the program that you're in, obviously. Um, and, uh, I mean, if they're just wanting to sort of discover a little bit more content in regards to, you know, developing a lifestyle around their entrepreneurial pursuits and doing it in the right way for the right reasons, et cetera, et cetera. And chrisducker.com is my personal online home where I put all that good stuff. And, uh, check out your podcast as well. Um, it's yeah. just youpreneur radio, is it radio? Uh, youpreneur FM. FM, FM. So yeah, check out that on uh, your preferred player of choice. And uh, yeah, as you, as you can probably hear, Chris has a voice for radio. Um, and I don't mean that in the nasty way. <laughs> well, as long as I don't have a face for radio. <laughs> but um, yeah, Chris, massive, massive thank you um, for being here, sharing and um, yeah, just being you. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And uh, all that's left to say is happy fishing. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rate and review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.